Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, this is Maggie, and on this very delayed episode, so sorry, this like Christmas slash holiday slash whatever season got really crazy, but we have decided that we are going to tackle the 1966 TV special, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. As Ian said, things have been kind of crazy for both of us at the end of the year this year. So normally we do a Christmas double feature and are able to bring on uh, some special guests. This year, it'll just be the two of us and we'll only be doing this episode on How the Grinch Stole Christmas. However, since we did just do one episode this year, we thought we'd tackle possibly the most iconic Christmas you know, piece of media in at least like the US. I think this has a good case for it. I totally agree. And it it falls within that kind of mid-century Christmas nostalgia trap that is part of why, you know, all of our big Christmas songs are from the same era. It's probably the standard bearer for these sorts of uh, specials for me. Now, I know that I'm going to make some people mad with the kind of stop motion like Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer type stuff, but this is... That's for next year, Ian. That's for next year. Hey, we're going to get to it, but this one, top of the class. Yeah, so as Ian mentioned, this is from 1966, which is like mid-century, kind of right, I would say on like that tail end of like good old American nostalgia kind of. You can't hear me rolling my eyes, but. (laughs) I mean, you roll your eyes, but like it gets you around the Christmas holidays. It It really does. Um, And then part of the reason that that has had such a strong legacy is, of course, you have television becoming really, really big in the 60s. And then this is a special that was played over and over again every year for a really long time and always did great ratings. People are thirsty for the Grinch. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, it's a wonderful, it's one, it's well done. Two, it's a little snack of a special. It's only like, what, 25 minutes? Oh yeah, much shorter than I remember it. Yeah, and it's very accessible on like a generational level. I think like I always loved it as a kid and I think there are aspects of it that I appreciate even more as an adult. Ian's kind of staring at me blankly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I just had nothing to add other than it's a delay. Did you have a little flashback or something? Okay. No, I'm I'm just like, where do I go from here other than say, how's background looking? (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I can continue with it. So this was directed and co-produced by Chuck Jones, who is a big name when it comes to animation in like the mid 20th century, specifically very involved and probably best known for his work with Looney Tunes, but was also involved with like a lot of other popular animation. It is based on the 1957 Dr. Seuss children's book by the same name. That children's book, however, the illustrations are in black and white. So since TVs were mostly Technicolor at this time. They, of course, went with the Technicolor special. So this is where it establishes the Grinch as being like neon green. I kind of love that the special is what creates the canon with that. That It's so backwards from what we're used to in more modern like media. And I love it. And I'm sure they picked it because it contrasted so well with the red. It's very stereotypical Christmas colors and it pops on a Technicolor screen. You could tell that they were leaning into the Technicolor. Oh, everything from that time period. If you look at, I was at a like a small Christmas party last night, actually, and uh, we had White Christmas going on in the background. And a friend of the podcast and many time guest host Lola was also at this party, and she, I don't know what, she was having issues with being Crosby last night. But she, <laughs> one of her things was she was like, his eyes are just too blue, and I was like, that's 
like 50s, 60s Technicolor for you. I'm also like, what do you mean too blue? Like, I know, come I was on. also like, can you lay off Bing Crosby? <laughs> like, are you okay? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I mean, we're, we see that and I agree. I think that's part of the reason they went with the neon green. Classic Christmas color really pops with the Technicolor. This special was done for CBS, uh, partially because CBS had had great success, I think, a couple years previously with uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. So they were very um, into these like kind of like shorter animated specials. They had done really well for them. Um, That kind of like animated holiday special was really popular at the time. There were many others, Frosty the Snowman, Little Drummer Boy, Probably a lot of like classic Christmas cartoons that you think of would be like within this span of like a five year ish period. I'm sure you saw this in the credits, but do you remember who narrates this? Boris Karloff. I didn't even realize. Well, in in all fairness, I hadn't seen this special in a while. So I hadn't had the opportunity to, uh, I guess, learn about and internalize who Boris Karloff is slash was uh <laughs> so that was an unexpected addition to the tv special it's the perfect choice i mean one he does a great job both as the narrator and the voice of the grinch he's got like the perfect voice yeah and the grinch is absolutely a candidate for kind of a horror b-film monster in some sense so i love that yeah. they kind of dug deep for that yeah that they get Karloff, who um people who listen to this podcast you know, regularly probably remember was Frankenstein's monster in the 1931 Frankenstein, and then also several of those sequels. And then was also uh, the mummy in, I think it was 31 or 32. The OG mummy. Yeah. So then to have him come and be like this little like cartoon Grinchy kind of like monster who then gets to have this like really nice arc of like, learning the true meaning of Christmas and like his heart growing three sizes, which is definitely a medical condition that he should get checked out. (laughs) And then uh, last little bit of background I will go into is here are just some stats on like what it took to launch this. It was 11 months production, 15,000 cells, 250 background layout drawings and 1200 character layout drawings. They had a lot of characters. They they went all in with the Who's in Whoville. Yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know about other people, I definitely often forget just how much work animation is, especially like old school, no computer animation. Yeah. Painting every single frame by hand. It's crazy to me. Yeah. One last little tidbit of background. There are, of course, many like sequels and stuff and spinoffs that came from this. So in 1977, they did a Grinch Halloween special. In 1982, they did a cartoon with the Grinch and the Cat in the Hat. Then, of course, you have the Jim Carrey remake in 2000. And then in 2018, there was like another version of the Grinch that was done, um, which I have not seen. I I saw the Jim Carrey one. And I think it was fine. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you got to kind of expand on the story from the book if you want to make a feature length film. And so yeah. I understand that you had to like take it in a different direction. But I still, the Grinch is some character that I'm not sure in his full furry green form should ever be live action. But that's, I, I it's just a little 
off-putting. I, I do think there are some great quotes that come from that film. Um, but yeah, I would say it's fine. And I think, you know, if we had more time and our end of the year wasn't so crazy, we would have probably considered doing that as a double feature. But we'll leave that to the audience. You guys can double feature that if you would like <laughs> and tell us, tell us how you felt. All right. With that, do you want to go into watch notes? Yes, let's do it. So first and foremost, all the color. I love the Susian kind of spin on literally everything, but you get mid-century nods and like all of the decorations and things. So like while you have these really fun shapes for the trees and the absurdity of these like craggled mountains that are like obscenely pointy and totally unrealistic, it's all just this really fun menagerie of different visual treats as they're like decorating for Christmas in the beginning. It like almost does like clashes in kind of a really wonderful way. Yeah. Like I I love this depiction of the Who's as just like overly exuberant. Their chaos. About this holiday. Embodied. They are, do you connect with the the Who's, Ian? I don't know. I feel like you I don't. They're a little the too chaotic. I, I literally this Ooh. is horrible. Uh the when, Too chaotic for Ian <laughs> Bailey. Ooh. When the Grinch was talking about how loud Christmas was and that entire sequence I related to the Grinch. I'm like, I would not want to have this cacophony Same. of rideable tubas playing around, <laughs> ruining I my agree. Christmas morning and peace. <laughs> I 100% agree. I There isn't like a ton where I like fully sympathize with the Grinch, but in that moment where he's talking about how loud they get, <laughs> I was like, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Of course, this is also establishing very early on, like, the Grinch's perception of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting, and we can go into this more, about how this movie is about, you know, subverting. And I think I think we saw kind of in a lot of our, like, 40s Christmas movies, there was, like, a similar message. I'm thinking particularly Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. But around this, you know, small commentary on, like, how Christmas has become very commercialized and consumerism-based and like that's not like the true meaning of Christmas. I think it's interesting here that it's like the Grinch is this outsider, like that being his perspective of it, because all he's ever known from it is the noise. Yeah. I, I also on kind of a macro level find it hilarious how we continue to hand ring over the commercialization of Christmas now almost 60 years later from this movie, let alone, you know, hundreds of years, not hundreds, but like a hundred years later from the early <laughs> films yeah. in the 20th century. It's funny how that, that never goes away. Yeah. And I think it's something that like, I've have appreciated more as I got older. Cause I think when you're a kid, you definitely like, you're super excited about the presence. And I will say this is, you know, speaking from the point of view of someone who's Christmas was very much a secular holiday for my family. I think that's probably the case with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So like there wasn't really a religious or a strong religious element, I guess, for us. And I do think it's interesting that this special, there is no religious element to it at all. It is a very secular celebration of Christmas, which probably is why it is so popular mm -hmm. as like a Christmas quote unquote movie for a lot of people. Yeah. And and while it, it does have the trappings of the very stereotypical American dream waspy sort of holiday, um, I did appreciate that it didn't hammer on any sort of kind of religious sensibility. Mm -hmm. I, I still 
I don't know. While it doesn't do that, it still falls into that camp. So I can totally understand why this might not yeah. be some people's cup of tea. But again, my background is like very, very well, waspy. Also, like, so. uh, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it, it speaks to me. There's also, I mean, like some, you know, what we would now consider secular traditions or Christmas traditions, like definitely came from like a religious element, like way back in the day or and stuff like that. So like, you know, not, not ignoring that, but I think like there, it is interesting that like in this one in particular, like they just don't include really any religious, Mm -hmm. uh, predominantly religious uh, stuff in it. Yeah. I do want to touch on the introduction to the Grinch because the first frame of him just chewing a toothpick being this like baddie on a mountain, (laughs) it cracked me up. It was absurdly overplayed, but in the the most entertaining way possible. He's such a little grumplepotamus. (laughs) That he is. That word works in this context. I love how many made up words there are in this. Um, And that's our favorite made up word. But I, it, every as they're introducing him to the way that they pull from the text of the book, but are showing you each of these stages, which while you could argue that maybe it's a little rote and Hughes maybe too closely, I loved the visuals with it. And especially the like heart x-ray piece that comes back later uh, when his heart grows. I, it's still just a fun attention grabbing sequence. Yeah. And I, I love that they really do just pull almost completely from the text of the book. Dr. Seuss, I think, is is such like a wonderful, fun writing style. So like, you know, if if the source material isn't broke, don't fix it. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and we get introduced to Max the dog, who I oh think is us in some sense. Love Max. Like he's looking down at no, the- No, you're the Grinch, Ian, come on. <laughs> well, us, the, the royal us, as in the audience, not me individually. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> but just wagging his tail, looking down on the who's having fun, while the Grinch is being cut in between scenes of jubilant noise on Christmas morning, which- the art department went all out on the different like loud noise making instruments like the high chair that you pedal with the drum the seven person c-shaped tuba with a conductor that you pedal while you're playing and you just like ride through the house it's it's so much fun to see the ways that they have like twisted all of these different instruments into something absurd and susian lots of pedaling lots of mobile noise which we don't like (laughs) We don't like the mobile noise. <laughs> um, would also like to point out that all of the noisy instruments are brass or percussion. We don't see any di- like disturbing string instruments up in here as a violin player and a viola player. Well, I think we can both appreciate that. I, I appreciate it, but I think it was not. A, a, they they could have made some really a loud, annoying, screechy string instruments in there. <laughs> Maybe you viola players do, but we violin players don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I feel like the Psycho soundtrack begs to differ, but... <laughs> that was an artistic choice. Also, this is just hilarious because while I play violin and he plays viola, he's a much better uh, player than I am. <laughs> so It's fine. The viola jokes can flow. I'm, I'm secure enough in my alto clef life that I will live. <laughs> But in this too, even the way that they edit together the banging of the drum and then the banging on the Grinch's head, these, I I don't want to underplay the construction of 
what is an animated TV special, which, you know, has the potential to just kind of be a throwaway money grab, but in reality is extremely well edited. I Yeah, I think it's interesting that, like, to a certain extent, I think a lot of people do, like, animation doesn't always get the prestige of live action. And it's like, you're using a lot of the same techniques, the same construction, like, you have to edit, you have to transition. You, I mean, even you still have lighting. There is a good shadow later that I want to talk about when we get there. Like, you know, <laughs> you have a lot of the same stuff. So it is, it is kind of very sad that animation doesn't always get the same attention and prestige. Yeah, I totally agree. We get taken through some more hilarious scenes of the feast and the roast beast. With the roast beast. <laughs> that just... I don't know why I love that. Because of the like the the that sound and what is that consonance? I don't know if that's anyway. But the roast beast, uh, the roast beast, and the nesting who servers. Oh, but roast beast also it feels like how you would like miss say roast beef as a kid. Yeah, it's it's that fun little slip of the tongue, but not. Mm -hmm. It's like a malapropism, but not. But. That whole sequence is just so much fun to watch, even if I am annoyed at all of the the noise and the jingle jangers on the jingle jangers. Was that what they were called? The little bells Probably. on their ankles. Who jingle would come jangers. up with that? Such a horrible idea. I I do have a question for you. Um, since this is a a shorter special, I'm gonna give us license to tangent a little bit more than we sometimes normally would. Did you ever get like a gift from a relative or something? Like what was the most annoying gift that you ever got for Christmas that either your parents were mad at a relative about or that like they later regretted buying you? I'm going to be honest. I was never told of anything. <laughs> Every present you ever got. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm trying to think because there was nothing. I was not big on the lots of noise voice line that like the sorts of toys that would stereotypically be annoying because they're repetitive and loud. Gotcha. May maybe the video game system. Cause we wouldn't want to get off the TV because at growing up we had one TV. Uh, uh, but I don't know. That's the closest I can come. Yeah. I was trying to think of one. I think I know one year my parent, I was like really little and I only, I don't remember this. I've only heard stories about it, but I, they got me like a, it was like a play phone and you would like call, I think like call different animals on it or something. And it was the first gift I opened and I was like obsessed with it. And I wouldn't stop playing with it long enough to open other presents. <laughs> and my mom was like, just trying to get you to open your presents that Christmas was like the biggest nightmare. And then she was like, you cared about nothing else. She was like, those are like the only toy you played with. <laughs> so I think that's the closest. I kind of love yeah, that. I think, I think it sounds like our parents probably uh, they probably well, they probably watched the Grinch special and we're like we can't get our kids any jingle jangle <laughs> when they grow up <laughs> or any tuba bikes. Oh God, tuba bikes! So the Grinch gets, as we know, the most terrible idea, and the frame of his face and hair just curled into this mischievous. I I, I don't have the right words to describe it. It's it feels like conniving like you know the, and you know, like the twirly villain mustache. Yes, but it's his hair. It's like his hair does that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that so much. 
And that's when we launch into what I think the like I, most iconic song from this movie is, and it's You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. It slaps. That song is so good. I was singing along. Were you singing along? Uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but the fun, fun factoid about that song, the singer who was... Thul Ravenscraft. Yes, Thurl Ravenscraft. It's a name was not credited in the original airing and Dr. Seuss apparently called him personally and was like, I am so profusely sorry that this was not credited to you. And apparently like sent out letters to all of these columnists around the nation to try and like correct the mistake. And I'm like, Oh, that's just Good for him. great. So wholesome. Well, Ravenscroft did like a bunch of voiceover work um, and a lot for Disney. Yeah, I remember him being credited on like the oh, what was the toaster movie um, with the appliances that have to find their way home. Brave um, little toaster. Brave little toaster. Yes, and apparently, uh, like Tony the Tiger from the Frosted mm-hmm. Flakes mascot as well. For Kellogg. I think. Yeah, that's crazy. There, are, I, I love that there are people like that that you would never be able to pick out of a lineup, but you would hear them and know exactly what they've done. Yeah, no, that song is so incredibly good. I the insults are like. Shakespearean, like chef's kiss. You are a seasick crocodile. Like, oh, between the two of you, I choose the seasick crocodile. Just mm, beautiful. It's almost like Mariah's Car- Mariah Carey's I don't need a lot for Christmas. I just want you. <laughs> I just want you. <laughs> Which I know is not intended to be a slight, but is absolutely no, but it is a, a little slight. Bit of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Shall we move into like, so we start the first bit of your mean one, Mr. Grinch, with him making his Saint Nick costume. And I love how we like are transitioning into this like reversal of Santa Claus. Like instead of sneaking in and leaving the presents, he sneaks in and steals them, which is terrifying if you really think about it. It honestly, the entire sequence with Cindy Lou Who, where I'm like, there is a stranger with ill will in your house. What in the world? <laughs> The Who's have no home security systems. I mean, they're, they're too jolly to think about bad things happening, obviously. <laughs> but there's like a weird guy who lives in the mountain next door who yells at you for noise every Christmas. Like, I, okay. But but did they know about the weird guy or were they just like, oh, what are the mountains singing That's, to us this time? It's even more terrifying if they didn't. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're uh, rewriting this as a horror film is what I'm hearing. I'm sure somebody's done this. I'm sure somebody has already done that. But as a kid, I remember that sequence being my favorite where you're just like cutting out and making your arts and crafts. And then you have the poor little dog's tail getting sewn into the seam. And the dog's like, oh. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Such a dog. Um, I the Putting the antler on Max. I love that where it like counterweights him and he falls over. Mm-hmm. And then the Grinch has to like saw a bunch of the antler pieces off and that he just like counterweights back. Um <laughs> I don't know if that was in so the cute. original book because I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think I ever read that Seuss book. I don't think I did either. But if it is an embellishment, I think that's a perfect example of really playing to the medium that you're working in. And we're coming up on a sequence that, as far as I know, was a pretty, they took a lot of liberties with uh, kind of getting down the mountain. I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like you're show you're showing a lot more than is in the book and like with a book, you know, you can kind of like drawing and then like your page turn is the transition in and of itself. Yeah. Whereas like if you're doing an animated movie, then you got to add some stuff. 
Absolutely. But that that's honestly one of my favorite sequences because they, they rely so heavily on this kind of physical slapstick style comedy with some tricks thrown in as you were going down these uh, Swiss Alp steep, crazy mountains. Like it, it's so much fun. And the fact that you have this tiny dog pulling this giant sleigh is the most adorable, absurd thing ever. He's so cute. He is. <laughs> but the way he like falls under the sleigh and then attaches mm-hmm. himself to the Grinch when they do the loop-de-loop because he's like, oh my God, we're about to fall. It's it's so fun to watch. That's really good. And then of course we get into the village and we get into um, breaking into the first house. The bit where he gets stuck in the chimney always gives me a little bit of anxiety. It reminds me of a time when I did a like spelunking uh, simulation at some cave something or other it it was in like wooden crates boxes things that they apparently could take apart if you got stuck um but yeah it's a little claustrophobic i don't like claustrophobic settings like that but i will also wrap myself in like 10 blankets in order to feel cozy i don't know it's i can't describe it yeah but the blankets aren't miles of rock above your head that could come crushing you at any point. Anyway, it's a different, ooh, it's a different, ooh, let's like, move on, let's move on. <laughs> um, we bring in like the next couple lines of your, I mean, one, Mr. Grinch. Um, I had forgotten that the song is kind of like split up throughout mm-hmm. the, the piece, which I actually really like. We have a bit of him like slithering around the tree and like, uh, taking everything and we get little Cindy Lou Who. But before we get Cindy Lou Who, this montage of taking all the stuff is a masterclass in fun, absurd ways to steal Christmas decorations. Like the, the giant cartoon magnet pulling all of the pins out of the stockings or taking a cane and using it like a billiards uh, stick to take all of the little bulbs off the tree as they fall through the mouse hole and out into the bag or setting all the toys so that they just walk into the bag automatically. It's that kind of like subversion of the classical Santa where it's like, okay, let me get this ducky to put in the thing on the sleigh so that I can take it out. No, it's the reverse. Yeah. And I do love there is a moment where Max breaks the fourth wall and kind of looks out at the audience like this fucking guy. Again, he is I love capital U us. <laughs> he, is, he is the royal us. But yes, we get Cindy Lou Who with her siblings uh, and their candy canes. And the one lone Christmas bulb that wakes her up. She is so adorable. And even the Grinch is like charmed by her adorableness for a second. We get the glimmers of the character arc. Then he thinks up a lie and he thinks it up quick. It wasn't that quick. I know they said it was quick, but I'm sitting here thinking, are you really that sharp and that quick, Mr. Grinch? Lie. Maggie, the sky is purple. It was raining here earlier, so it actually might have been a little (laughs) purpley. I'm like, I made you look. (laughs) Uh, That was a weak lie. It was a very weak lie. Quickly, lie to me while you're stealing my Christmas tree. Maggie, your Christmas tree's a fire hazard, and we can't have you living in the desert with something that's going to burn down your apartment complex. I'm not going to lie, pretty good. <laughs> pretty damn good. <laughs> I see. Quicker than the grid. Pretty good. <laughs> oh, geez. But that interaction with Cindy Lou Who and the way that they play with scale in the frame is really fun. So first off, she is only about twice the size of this christmas like a bulb from the tree so she's holding it and it's like nearly as big as she is yeah 
And we have this great shadow that I think you talked about earlier of the Grinch on the wall kind of looming over poor little Cindy yeah. later. And it in the shadow is really interesting because like she's looking at the Grinch assuming it's Santa Claus. Uh, because he's dressed like Santa Claus and the shadow is almost like what is really the monster beneath the costume because it's a lot more menacing. Um, and like you said, with what they're doing with scale, it's so much bigger than her. And it is just this like really, it's a really pretty shot. It's really cool. It's like menacing, but not scary in like a nice way. I, yeah, I just, I love that segment. I think it's really good and really cute. And it's also this fun little point where you think maybe like, oh, is this going to be the Grinch's moment? And it's not. It's oh, gonna no. It's going to take more than that. You got to build the tension up to the top of Mount Crumpet first. But I, I do love that he sends her to bed with a drink. Like that is such yeah. a, a like a little kid thing to do. <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's cute. And it also like I, I love all the rhyming again. Like there's a lot of fun rhyming, a lot of like made up words. And it's just like. You have the very lyrical Dr. Seuss writing. You have Karloff performing it wonderfully. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it just works. And so as he's doing this to every single Who house, this kind of montage where you get the repetitive multiple exposure frames of the same sort of stuff happening in between the novel new ways that he's interacting with these different Who houses and stealing their shit. It's With your mean one, Mr. Oh, Grinch, wrapping up underneath. It's so fun. What's your favorite line of that song? Oh, God. Let me hold on. Off the top of my head. You can look up lyrics. Okay. I'm about to look up lyrics because I have a hard time choosing. Yeah, that's uh, I was going to say, I'm going to be honest. I can't necessarily quote it at you as much as I should. I do love your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul. That's a good one. Though as someone who does love cooking with garlic. <laughs> I also love the garlic in my soul. Oh, it's this one. Your three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. Like, that one is just oh, too good. that's a good one. I think the one, your heart is full of unwashed socks, your soul is full of gunk. And then the, the three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. What are you quoting? <laughs> what everybody says about the Grinch. I just, I love that. So we finally are done stealing all their shit. It's loaded up on this absurdly small sleigh with an absurdly small, an absurdly small dog. It's, it's great. Again, the scale that they play with here is so fun. And like going up the quote, 10,000 foot, uh, Mount, it's Mount Crumpet, right? Or am I? It's Mount Crumpet. Okay. Yeah. I also think it's Mount Crumpet. Maybe this is a Berenstein, Berenstein kind of thing, but like. Yeah, it's Mount Crumpet. Okay, sure. cool. I just, okay. I looked it up to be sure, but it, it's just this like really spindly little rock at the very top. And I love how he's just up there chilling about to fall off this mountain and he's fine. It's very Burton-esque. Yes. Oh, now I'm wondering, because now I'm having that visual of, well, I think Tim Burton would have been later. Exactly. Because I'm having the visual from Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. 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 But it's like (laughs) you, I'm having the visual from Nightmare Before Christmas Mm -hmm. with like the really spindly. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, they, I, I see the parallels with, again, how they play with scale. Maybe not, like Tim Burton seems to do it very frequently in characters and character design. Yeah. In addition to the sets, but like this one is very much set heavy. Yeah, yeah. This is where we start to have the like realization of like, oh, Christmas is not about the gifts. It's not about the noise. Because guess what? 
Christmas comes anyway, and they still sing their who carols in the square. (laughs) So I actually was reading, this was really funny to me is part of the like taking like the religious element out of it and making it like a little bit more like secular and universal. Um, They purposefully had the like who Christmas carols be in what uh, Chuck Jones referred to as um, hold on, let me find like who Latin or something like that. Yeah. Who's he in Latin? (laughs) Which I thought was really funny because he was like, if you don't know Latin, it like it's it sounds like gibberish to you, <laughs> which is true. Yeah, I didn't get the like I definitely got a it reminded me of the style of the secular Christmas songs that we come to think of. Yeah, the music musically, it's like that. Um, but anyway, I just like the phrase who's in Latin It's as a Latin nerd. It almost makes it sound like you should be able to get like a PhD in Hughesian Latin if we're. Oh, Hugh? Who? Not Q. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Hughesian. totally different. That's the Latin that Hugh Grant speaks. <laughs> it's great. But that is where he finally realizes, holy shit, what have I done? It's not about the stuff and me taking it away is not going to change it. Which It's about family and love. And, and fatalism. Being together and what? <laughs> yeah, it's just going to happen anyway. So you might as well have fun while it's going. I don't know how nihilistic that is, but it's kind of close. <laughs> got out of this Christmas classic? Ian, I have a question for you as a resident podcast Grinch. Um, are your shoes too tight? Uh, I'm not wearing shoes right now. Is your head screwed on? Is your head screwed on maybe not quite right? Uh, probably not. Oh, you know what explains it all? I bet your heart's just two sizes too small. <laughs> well, good for you. My heart's about to grow two full sizes. Actually, was it? No, it's about to go three, three sizes. sizes. Okay, that's right. Because it breaks the x-ray frame. Please go frame. to a hospital. <laughs> Get that checked out. But again, out. the way they have him like holding improbably this gigantic sleigh off the like cliff and his heart grows and bursts out of the x-ray frame and he's all of a sudden super grinched with 12 grinches worth of well, strength. No, no, no. Ian, 10 plus it's, uh, two, I'm the sorry. strength of 10 grinches plus two. It's plus two hey, what? I was just carrying the two for you. Plus two what? <laughs> But that one frame of him triumphantly holding the sleigh, the sleigh up above his head is just, it's its pretty. And then triumphantly making noise with his trumpet goes down the mountain. And then joins all of the Who's in their feast. He even gets to cut the roast beast. Careful. You're about to come for Seuss's gig with that rhyming you just did. I'm just <laughs> quoting Seuss. <laughs> Oh, was that a quote? I'm horrible at remembering things. It's a paraphrase Um, (laughs) for sure. But it is so, it's sweet how Max also gets his own. So like as he's writing down on the sleigh, he's not pulling it. He's like, okay, cool. I'm in on this. And then he gets that big slice of roast beast as well. So it's that like sweet little end there. Yeah. It's just, it's a testament to like being able to pull off like a good complete emotionally impactful story arc in like half an hour, which begs the question, why have we had to watch so many three plus hour movies in this podcast? I just, yeah. Yeah. You can do it in 25 minutes. Now, I will say the character development on the Grinch was a little bit light for my taste and I need some like heavy hitting, like, you know, story arcs, something. That's why the 2000s version exists, Ian, (laughs) for people like you who need that heavy hitting character arc 
with like the tragic backstory and the emotional complexity. I mean, that's the thing. If I don't get that, I'm not satisfied at all. I, it's this is this is bottom of my list. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is I a just delight. love that your takeaway <laughs> from this is like the inevitability <laughs> of the universe. How about the inevitability of happiness, Ian? Um, how about that? Is it the inevitability of happiness or the inevitability of uh, the community joining together, whether you want them to or not? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm just taking the most negative reads I can just to see your reactions, and it's quite it's entertaining. So funny. It's so funny. I'm like, oh, look at this little piece of like childhood nostalgia, and you're like, uh, nihilism of the world. Um, I love it. I love you. This is why we're friends. But you, you're the Grinch, and I'm Cindy Lou Who. But in all seriousness, it uh, is a delight, and I love it. It's really good. Uh, was your family like one that watched this every year? I don't think we made a point of watching it every year, but we did manage to watch it every, like almost every year, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was it was on and you have to yeah. turn it on kind of thing. I think we were similar. I don't think we necessarily like made a point, but like. It's hard to escape. It was on. Yeah, it was always on. I do. So the last thing I want to ask maybe before we like wrap up is so one of the things that like I kind of take away from this, especially like going back and watching it as an adult is like, you know, yeah, like the whole Christmas isn't about the presents and stuff. It's about like family and being together and other things like that. What are the like maybe traditions or aspects of Christmas that you have come to appreciate more as an adult that aren't like present related and that maybe like mean more to you now than like presents did as a kid? The food. <laughs> I feel Which, like that's a big one for a lot of people. Do you have like the same foods that you would cook every year? Or? Um, I wouldn't call it the same so much as it's like the, when I say the food, I mean the entire process where like everybody's pitching in to pull together what is usually a an involved and exceptionally like extravagant i i don't that that makes it sound a little highfalutin but like it's a no, lot more work and effort and there's more care and you go out on a limb and are more creative with some things and it's like you do stuff out of the ordinary and that plus the like time with my family who i do actually really like and like spending time with which i realize i'm uh, very lucky that that's the case oh yeah full recognition that like this time of year is not always filled with pleasant nostalgia right, for everybody right i'm i'm very fortunate that it is I think food's a good answer. I bet a lot of people would say that. I feel like for me, it's two things. It's one, one of them is actually kind of tied to food. Um, de- the decorating of the Christmas tree. Uh. That was a big thing with my family every year. We would basically, it was usually we do it like a day or two after Thanksgiving. But like we'd order in like a bunch of apps from like one of our favorite restaurants or something. And it was like, you'd snack on the appetizers while you like decorated the tree. And my, for years and years, my mom bought my sister and I like a new ornament every year so that when we like were adults and moved out of the house, we would have ornaments for our Christmas trees. Um, I say as all of my ornaments are still back in Georgia (laughs) and I did not bring them with me out to the desert, but oh well. I mean, do you have a tree? Well, you stole it earlier. We talked about this. Well, hey, it's... It was a fire hazard. You made me... It's better... (laughs) Remember? It's better for your longevity. But anyway, we would all, like, decorate the tree, and it was always, like, a thing about, like, my sister and I would get to choose where all of our own ornaments went and stuff like that. And so it's that, and then also, like, 
as people have probably been able to guess if they've listened to multiple episodes of our podcast, Christmas movies were a really big thing in my household. Like every year we would watch a lot of the same Christmas movies. We'd like watch them together. Um, so I feel like like that tradition and like I've kind of expanded that into like forcing you to watch those Christmas movies <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I highly recommend this particular special fully appreciate that it is not necessarily going to tick everybody's boxes, but for me, it, it really does. And it is like a, a Christmas staple to some extent. Yeah, it's cute. And it's a little snack of a Christmas special. And I had a lot of fun. I don't know about you. I think we both watched it actually just right before recording. Oh yeah. But I like, I like made a little thing of it. I like went and got coffee from like one of my favorite coffee places. I was like all rugged up in a blanket. I was like, I have to make sure I'm perfectly comfy because I'm watching the Grinch. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you all of our wonderful listeners for bearing with us as we get through a crazy end of the year and for making it through yet another year of the Best Pictures podcast. Couldn't do it without you. Yes. Um, as a reminder, if you do decide you want a little bit more uh, Christmas content from us or holiday content from us, uh, some past Christmas episodes we've done. Um, I really like our Christmas episodes. They're fun. Um, I think they're fun. But we've done uh, Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas in Connecticut, White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Die Hard, A Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation. Am I missing any or is that all of them? That sounds... I think that's all of right. them at this point. I think. <laughs> I think that's it. I might be forgetting one. Um, but yeah, so you can check those out. Again, like Ian said, thank you for sticking with us through a crazy year. We will be back in January. We will finally release the Braveheart episode that I've been sitting on for <laughs> a while now. So yeah, thanks for listening and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Safe travels if you're traveling. See you next time.